0: Welcome to Artificial Turf Wars, episode 287. I'm the temporary host, Joshua Housem, and I'm here by myself. Um, This is not going to be the way we do things going forward, but I have decided exactly who's going to be the new co-host of this show. And uh, it just felt like we couldn't not talk about what has gone down in Blue Jay's land over the last two weeks or so. Um, The hope was to record after a Shohei Ohtani signing, but obviously that's not what happened. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it it went about as badly as it could have possibly gone. You know, at the beginning of the offseason, the Jays being in on Shohei Ohtani probably seemed like a pipe dream to most people. Um, You know, it certainly seemed like an unlikely, unlikely proposition to me, and I'm sure anybody outside of Blue Jays' ownership would have had a surprising reaction to the idea that they were going to go after Shohei Ohtani. But they did. And for a while, it actually seemed like they were seriously in it. Now, we never heard anything from Otani himself, but all the reports around it seemed to basically indicate it was, at most, five teams still in the running for Otani. They would be the Angels, Dodgers, Cubs, Jays, and, of course, the Giants. Well, that all seemed to reach a fever pitch yesterday. I'm recording this on Saturday, the day that Otani decided to go to the Dodgers, when, you know, people were having a little fun, right? You know, tracking a plane that was coming from Santa Ana flying into Toronto and then an opera singer saying that Kikuchi was having a dinner for uh, 30 people or something like that. You know, people were having fun with that and speculating, oh, Tony's going to sign. And then it actually changed to something a little more serious because there was an article that came out on, it was uh, the, the Dodgers Nation, I believe it was, from JP Hornstra, then you know this is a guy who was the beat writer for the Orange County Register for the longest time. He was he covered both the Dodgers and the Angels with regularity, and it said, Otani has made his choice. He's going to the Blue Jays." Now, all the all the other beat writers Ben Nicholson Smith, Shai Davidi, Aldo Gonzalez in Orange County shot it down and immediately said, "No, he's still making up his mind." But then. John Morosi, the great bullcrap artist of the entire newsbreaking world, tweeted out that Shohei Otani was en route to Toronto. While everyone was tracking this plane, it became the most tracked plane, I think, probably ever. There were 18,000 people following this plane's flight path at one point. And then it all came crashing down, right? It turned out it was not <laughs> it was not Shohei Otani on the plane. Instead, it was... Just the Shark Tank, dude. And, you know, it's very funny that you know that, that guy is now forever going to be associated with the Shohei Ohtani watch in Toronto. Or it would be, at least, if Shohei Ohtani is actually signed with the Blue Jays. But no, he's a dodger. It was a very crushing, disappointing moment for all Jays fans, really. And it kind of leaves a big void, both emotionally and in the roster. Obviously, Ohtani would be transformative, right? He would be a massive star and big power bat that could plug right in between Bo and Vlad in the lineup or bat him second before Vlad, whatever they, he could put him wherever you want and he makes a massive difference. He would have brought a lot of revenue and he would have made the Jays more appealing to those free agents who occasionally take less than they would to go play for a championship contender. Cause with Otani, the Jays would be a championship contender. Now they still need to fill DH. They still need to fill first base or left field. They still need to fill third base And starting pitching depth, probably, because we don't know what we're going to get from Alec Manoa. So the challenge now is that they need to find a way to not only fill this roster, but fill that emotional void. Because fans were very upset at the way the season went down. You know, and it drove Greg out of the podcast. (laughs) He stopped him watching baseball because of the way the season went down. And, you know, he wasn't alone. I've heard from a lot of people who've been out there saying... I would have watched the team or would have bought tickets if they got Otani, but now I'm not coming back. I'm not going to go to a game. I'm not going to go and game till they fire Atkins and Shapiro. I think that that's going a bit too far. I, I think that Atkins has done a really good job of building a team that has been very competitive for three years in a row, but fan expectations and desires matter. And we had a group of fans that were upset before Otani. And now after somehow not leaking it that no, Otonio was not on that plane and letting people just get their hopes way up and then get dashed. They now have a situation where fans were upset before and they're very disappointed now. So even if they somehow pull in Cody Bellinger, which would have been probably the number one guy people had on their realistic list entering the offseason, that's going to be a disappointment to people. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. I didn't ask for questions, by the way, for this episode. It's just going to be this, and then I'm going to be talking to Joshua Kuznick um, for a little bit of background on how something like this all could happen. Um, But the reason I didn't ask for questions was because they all would have been the same thing. What happened? How upset are you? Very. I'm very upset. I can't believe I'm recording something right now, but I am. And then what next? And it's going to be really interesting to see when the first domino falls, because when we were at the, well, not we. When we were listening to and seeing all the information that was coming out of the winter meetings, everything suggested the Jays were working on trades and free agent signings. Should Otani not arrive, right? That they'd had all these discussions and things that they could do, but they were putting them on hold until Otani made his decision. You can criticize that decision. I don't. I think it's like if you have a shot to get Otani, you don't risk that by doing anything else They could jeopardize his de- his <laughs> desire to come. And also they couldn't make a move because if you have Shohei Otani, the left fielder and third baseman you need aren't as good as they need to be now that they don't have Otani. So you can't even fill those positions while you're waiting. Soto was the only guy, but the dollars probably just didn't work. You can't you can understand why it would be tough for them to add a $33 million Juan Soto to a $70 million Shohei Otani. It's a lot of money to add at once and a lot of player assets going out the window and they'd still need a third baseman. So yeah, so given all the groundwork that they did lay, apparently one would hope that a move would come soon so that fans can at least have some idea of what the Jays are going to try to do to deal with this fallout because they need to. And it, people are restless. And, you know, if they drop a, a Matt Chapman signing and, you know, so they, you know, Matt Chapman, Reese Hoskins, and, I don't know, Jung-Hoo Lee, the, the the Korean outfielder who's probably going to sign as the center fielder, but whatever. That would be a really good offseason. But if they let these moods fester and the disappointment and the anger, those won't drive sales. Those will not drive people to the ballpark for the first two, three months of the season. Obviously, if you're in a first place team going into July, people will show up. But those first three months matter. And they're the hardest ones to sell anyways. People are always there at the end of the season. So I think they need to make a move soon. And (laughs) hopefully they do. That's all I've really got for now because I know as much as everybody else about what's coming and everybody has their own opinions as to how this – Otani thing feels to them and 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 what they think happened but I'm going to talk to Josh Kuznick now who has a much better idea of what happened given that he was at the winter meetings and he has his history as an agent so here we go and uh we'll be right back by frequent guest and friend of the show, Josh Kuznick, former player agent. Uh, how's it going, Josh?
1: I'm amazing. I do appreciate you calling me frequent since the last appearance was two years ago, but let's go. Okay. By our,
0: by our guest standards, that's frequent. We haven't had a lot of guests the last couple of years. Is that
1: is that the Canadian conversion of frequency in America, like yeah. two years?
0: Yes. Yes. You're, you're still one Perfect. of our most frequent appearances. But uh, <clears throat> Okay. So... Yeah. This episode is basically the Otani episode, because that's all that matters to Blue Jays fans right now, and for good reason.
1: So and I right. know quite a bit about this from both sides behind the scenes from being in Nashville, and I feel like I can illuminate some of this for everybody, which I'm pretty excited about now that I'm on the outside.
0: Yeah, so let's just start quickly with what it was like in Nashville with all this, just to get that out of the way, because we'll, we'll get to the juicy bit after that, but so you were there you were on the ground in the winter meetings what was the feeling about what was going on while you were there
1: apathy and rage and i'm not really trying to be that funny everyone was so lethargic and angry that nothing was happening everyone was questioning if this was going to continue and if we were going to have more winter meetings in the future and maybe shift it to something else it was that bad this year i been. this was my 20th winter meeting in my life uh last year i thought was a bad omen this year is not good it was just very unnecessary and everything that was done there can be done by zoom we all learned that after covid and since post covid the winter meetings have been destroyed i think baseball eventually will adjust because right now it's just a reason for everybody to go hang out straight up
0: (laughs) and then i guess obviously the otani factor made it even less interesting because some teams are just like nah, we're not doing anything yet
1: Every single team in the game has decided to wait to, you know, uh, adjust to see who got Otani and what could be done uh, in the aftermath of that. So he made the entire industry grind to a halt. I don't blame him at all. There's no blame to be put on Shohei Otani for shouldering the boredom of a sport. Like, do better. Like, seriously.
0: Yes. Well, that is directly speaking to you, Buster Olney and Ken Rosenthal,
1: but. <laughs> Buster Olney especially, I love Ken. Uh I gave a great I, I'm going to say this myself about myself Which is so modest um, I did a great, great TikTok About Buster Olney About a private story from the uh, agent meetings About how Rick Shapiro The head of the PA at the time Wrote on the blackboard, this is during CBA negotiations The first point of order was That no agent was to talk to Buster Olney About anything ever because he sucked <laughs>
0: It's just incredible, and he does—he does suck. I mean that—that that article he put out was such a joke, but that's not what we're here to talk about.
1: So, yeah, I know. I just anytime I can say Buster only sucks on radio terrestrial podcast, it, it's a good opportunity for me to do so. I only have a finite amount of life, and I'd like to use part of it to point out to your listeners how much, in fact, Buster only does suck at his job and as a person off the field.
0: All right, well, it's noted. So. The Blue Jays obviously like made some waves with their Otani pursuit there, though, right? I mean, they, there was the story that broke that Atkins had been in Dunedin and, and, and Otani had been there in Dunedin and Atkins showed up later. What was the feeling like with the actual pursuit of Otani there? Like, Were people thinking the Jays actually had a real
1: shot? Now that this is all over and when the post-mortem phase, I obviously, you and I are friends, we... Had discussed stuff in the uh, the the earlier goings of free agency and what we saw and what we heard from our various rumors, and by the time I had gotten down there, the upper echelon of like the media, you know, like the people who matter, Ken Jeff, those guys, the very small clique of them, I mean, we were all pretty unanimous that nobody knew anything beyond the Dodgers or the Blue Jays were getting this guy. I'm talking the top level, four or five people. I'm throwing myself in there because I knew and. Um, You know, this is one of those times I tripped into a story. I'm not going to publicize it crazy because I'm not a media person. But on the ground, like you're asking me, four or five people who really mattered knew it was the Jays and Blue Jays going into it. A lot of what we had expected towards the end when you heard these pop-up rumors of other ball clubs, you know, like the Braves, it was really bad reporting. Like, straight-up bad reporting where a reporter would call Alex Antopoulos and say, are you guys in on Otani? And he goes... You know, I'd love to get Otani. I hope he calls us, and then that gets reported as Braves have interest in Otani. <laughs> that's what really—that's ha- what really happened on that in that example. That's not a hypothetical. That is legitimately what happened while we were at the winter meetings. That report from the Braves is exactly what I told you. So you had this. If you knew what you were looking for, like me, you knew what to avoid. But if you're a fan, you're going to get thrown all this, and I don't know. Uh, you know, the best advice I can give everybody is ignore everything and just listen to passing.
0: Straight up. Yeah, well, we learned that the hard way here. So okay, leaving the winter meetings, rumors yeah, Jason, Jason Dodgers, oh, those are the two teams that are down to it, that started to leak out with, you know, various mentions of the Cubs and the Angels just to keep their fans interested. But and then JP Hornstra comes in and says The decision is made, he's going to the Blue Jays. How does that happen?
1: I am uh, friends with JP in real life before all of this and um I know him well. We've worked on a bunch of things and if I could venture a guess, he talked to people in the industry for sure. I can I know who they are personally. I just can't, you know, it's not my my source. I can't do that, but sure, yeah. I am a, I'm 100% sure this man spoke to people, okay? And I know the people he spoke to, and I would venture a guess that one of the people he spoke to on one of the sides, team or agent, used him. That would be my, what I think happened. And I think he relied on someone who has previously been very reliable, and then this time he needed to not be reliable for his client, potentially, I don't know, and wasn't, and that was it. He left him hanging. He used the reporter. Would I do that as an agent? No. Do people do that as an agent? Oh, yeah. Do teams do that? Yes. So, like, you know, that's what I think happened. So
0: if an agent does something like this, what is the actual hope of having that story go out? Like, what was the consequence of that piece reaching the market?
1: In in reality, like, if all goes well to plan – um it would get your client more money from the other team that you really want them to go to, yeah. which is honestly what I think happened. Cause if you really want to like play Monday morning quarterback, my guess is that report was accurate at the time. And he wasn't told the other part of it, which is an agent I'm well aware of is that looking back, the Dodgers clearly had right of first refusal. They clearly had last bite at the apple because they won either team was going to outbid the other. At this point, money did not matter. So whoever had last bite was going to win. So you're trying to extract the most value out of that team with the last bite. So how do you do that? You leak a story saying the other team has a deal done. And then the other, and then the other team freaks out and just says, what's it going to take? and we told you already and then give us that offer. And then the team finally relents and says, screw. It, we'll give you that offer from a month ago. I believe that is what happened.
0: So I have a question about actual like agent procedure and rules. Like can the agent not just say to the Dodgers, look, we got to deal with the Jays. You want to beat it? Here's the number. Why, why does the story have to come out?
1: Oh, that good question. I never would have noticed that people didn't understand this. Um, seriously, not being condescending at all. The, the reason is, is teams don't listen to agents.
0: That's what I So one <laughs> our listeners so, to here too.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, like, we, they don't care what I say ever. But you know who they do care about? Public perception. And as an agent, I never care about that. I mean, some do. I do not. Um, but uh, the team cares about public pressure. So if I ever wanted the team to be in hot water with one of my players, I sure as hell would tell the media, like, yo, write this. It's going to help me. Yeah, and they would. They they trade the they trade that information for access. I use that information as an agent for my players. This is the way it all works. Adam Schechter being exposed as a shill is like the most illuminating thing ever because that's true for almost all of them.
0: It's kind of a funny thing how how much persuasion, or rather, how much maybe that's not the right word. How much influence these things have on real market forces when they're all just kind of nonsense.
1: It is all nonsense. And actually, I would almost say it's a professional issue amongst writers, all writers. They get so insulated within their field, you know, they have their hierarchy, but they don't understand. Some of them don't understand the reality. I had a writer trying to argue with me yesterday about Otani, and then I texted this writer back saying, hey, which one of us has to text the other one for their job? Is it me or you? <laughs>
0: That'll end an argument pretty fast.
1: Right, because I'll never have to call a reporter to find anything out my entire life, ever. I will never call a reporter to learn something, but all of them will call me. So there's no reporter on earth who knows more than an agent, ever. So when reporters start thinking they do, that's how you end up with bad writers.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's how you end up with what happened here, where you wrote a piece about, I guess it was 10 years ago,
1: the transaction monkey, say it.
0: I was about to. You just you just stole my thunder there.
1: <laughs> I I know because I like saying it. No, I'm sorry. Do it again.
0: <laughs> no, nope, it's out there. Yes, is the calling these the people the transaction monkeys? And oh boy, did we have a, a bunch of them with this Otani thing. Everybody wanted a piece of predicting and sourcing <laughs> and answering where Otani was going when nobody had any idea.
1: Nobody. It's so stupid. There was a thing in, like, 2014 or 15 or whenever the hell I wrote it, uh, pre-winter meeting, so it went viral that year, which I still love. And I'm still known for it, which I appreciate. (laughs) And um, that was an in-joke I had with Jeff Passan, where I would make fun of him, uh, you know, about, like, the Chris Cotillo's at the time of the world who were just breaking dumb stuff. It's like, Dodgers trade for Stephen Ames. It's like, what? why are you breaking this? Like, I don't care. Like, stop it. So you know, I would look with Jeff and he would refer them. I swear to God, like I didn't invent the phrase he did. He's like, he would like get annoyed with me. And he'd be like, please stop texting me about all these transaction monkeys. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> and I'm like, that's hilarious. And, um, I, I put that in my article, uh, you know, cause I didn't say who it was at the time, but like, it was Jeff. It's like the greatest phrase he's ever come up with to me in a conversation, like him, me, Jason parks, like we, we still use that. And, um, yeah, man, I think it's a way for fans to feel included behind the scenes, but it never matters, and, you know, I, I made a point at the time, and I cannot believe we're talking about it, like, almost a decade later, but, like, everybody was rushing, right, to figure out who broke Otani this time. And I would always tell people it's irrelevant who breaks it because it's just going to be news at this point. That's how the cycle works. Yes. And they're like, no, wait. And they're like, no, it matters who breaks it first. And I'm literally telling you right now, Twitter's not a real place. Just like Dave Chappelle said, no one cares. And I'm going to ask you the hardest question you get all night. Tell me right now who broke the signing of Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, and Albert Pujols. And the answer <laughs> is we don't keep those baseball card stats because no one cares.
0: I have no idea.
1: <laughs> right. And writers hate being told they're irrelevant, and they are. And One day, ChatGPT is going to replace all of them, so I don't care.
0: Yeah, well, that's an entirely different conversation. But, yeah, I mean, I've always hated the whole breaking news culture where it leads to not just people trying to race for nonsense, but also it leads to so much misinformation. And that's what got us. I mean, there was just so much crap. You know, we know. I mean, look, I know, but like many people don't know better than to believe John Morosi when he says that the guy's on a plane.
1: You like, and I were talking about that while it was happening, and I, had, you verified at your end, I verified at my end, and like eight hours before the plane touched down, and it was news that he screwed up. You and I already knew how stupid it was. Right,
0: but how does like, how does how does that like is that the agent again or someone? Just said, I actually
1: hey, John. I I actually researched this directly. I didn't get to talk to him, but. I asked, and you want to hear the official answer, I guess? Sure. Sometimes people make mistakes. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. That was the answer That was the answer I got. I swear to God.
0: Oh, man.
1: And you know what my favorite part about the journalism culture of 2023 is in sports news is that that's the level of accountability we have for all of this. Oopsies.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the sad part, right? It's like people can say what they want. They'll be shunned for, I don't know, a media cycle or two, and then –
1: that's it. It will, you know, not, it will will not. Rossi
0: will be on on Tuesday, you
1: know? Morosi will not matter at all. People will make fun of him for years, and it will not resonate at all. JP, who probably, in all seriousness, got screwed. He didn't make shit up, or stuff up, sorry. <laughs> he didn't make anything up, and he probably got played like a fiddle and didn't realize it till afterwards. But you know what? The fan doesn't know these things. They just know that they're wrong. Yep. Oh man, crazy time. So anything
0: else that you want to share like that you you know you've dealt with with all this that I might not have the yes, to
1: ask? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just for Chase fans, like I'm not one to go out for ownership here, but um I would in that GP article that everyone's so mad at, aside from the prediction, all of the rest of that story checked out from what I have seen that the uh, ownership from Rogers got involved and they had to get approval on everything and based on you know, Otani. Uh, when they went after him the first time, like with Atkins and everything, that the process was being repeated now with the same people and the money. So, this is my guess for how it went down. The Jays probably thought they had an agreement at some level for 600. 600- $650 million. I don't know the number. I straight up do not know the number. If you report that I know the number, I don't know the number. I'm guessing.
0: <laughs> it's recording. There's no reporting. You're good.
1: No, I'm not you. Just any fan that retweets this and hears it and is like, oh, Josh said this. I'm like, yeah, listen to the whole thing. So my guess is 600 to $650 million for the Jays. Then that story comes out. The Dodgers are in full-blown panic mode to verify it. You know, like if it worked or not, if the, they, they see that, you know, Tani got it, the agent put it out there, whoever put it out there, I'd assume it's the agent, I'm guessing again so I don't get sued. The agent puts it out, the Dodgers see it, they freak out, they call the agent, they say we have right of first refusal, is this really the fucking offer, the comparable offer must be 700 from our end, is that going to get this shit done, and then they say yes, and then that's how it gets done. I've been in enough of these rooms. And I'm, I'm saying that I believe, personally, with no facts at all, that that story played a role in all this. Oh, I really do. I really <laughs> believe that JP's article was used by the agency as a negotiation point against the Dodgers. I really believe that. And when the Dave Roberts thing happened, okay, so wait, we forgot one thing, or I did. The Dave Roberts thing happened at the winter meetings while I was there. No one could believe that was actually happening. We were all stunned. and we We're like, I guess he's not going to L.A. I guess he's definitely going to Toronto. And I'm telling you, someone from the agent side must have wanted him to go to L.A. badly. And then, in my opinion, put out whatever that story was with J.P., who, unbeknownst to him, just reported it, verified it a little. And it was true at the time. And the only other person who knew it wasn't true had to have been the agent and then does what he does. The Dodgers see it and he gets his money. That is how I think it played out. It's almost worse. <laughs> it really, I, know, I know it's worse, but it's the, what I believe to be the truth. And I've been around it a long time. And I know most stories like Morosi's don't mean anything, but that story with JP was so specific and research and it felt like it had a purpose and it didn't come from either team. There's no way a team's that stupid. So I'm guessing the agent just used it as propaganda and really screwed him over, which is not going to win him any friends, but you know, like I think he got hustled by a source and I hope he says something like that soon and kind of just says, I've got fooled and that's what happened. And that's, that's life that happens.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, that, I mean, that's, that's kind of the message that's going to have to resonate with Jays fans right now with everything.
1: <laughs> I but that's the part that I hate is that if Jays fan knew the whole truth, like I did, right. Yesterday when that story went up, that story was accurate. And the only person who knew it wasn't accurate was the damn agent. Yeah. That's what I think happened. And then the Dodgers are like, "Well, we got to pay this." And I hear people crying about the deferrals like, "Shut up. Ken Griffey Jr. is making like 15 million dollars this year. Deferrals are part of life."
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I haven't even noticed people crying about that. I mean, it's just as unfortunate. It's going to make it even easier for the Dodgers to do better because their 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 luxury tax is going to be lower. But other than that, who cares?
1: Every team in baseball should take advantage of that stuff. So like, don't even come at me with that. If the if the Jays want to go spend five hundred million dollars on the next great player, and defer half of it by all means. Like deferrals no, are I, part I, of. No,
0: I'm it. just saying it's too bad as a Jays fan because it means they're going to have more money to chase the same guys the Jays are chasing. I think it's a fantastic. Oh, really, I really, I even you know.
1: I didn't even think of, I didn't even think of that until you just said that. Holy Lord. Can you imagine if the Dodgers actually signed other free agents? Or to be like the Heat and LeBron and then like you have guys that are really good that go there for less money to play with Otani in the Oh my God.
0: Yeah, I addressed that in the first part before you came on the show, that like that was something that I'm sure the Jays were hoping they were gonna be able to get with Otani coming here and it's like, Hey, you take a little less, you'll come play for a championship team but uh yeah, I mean Hey, Dodgers could go with Yamamoto now. Who knows, right?
1: <laughs> my, my, I, don't, I just don't believe the Jays ever would have gotten to 700. I can't believe they got to 600. I just don't see them at seven, even with the deferrals, even with Rodgers, even with well, all the I, things. I think yeah. that
0: would be very hard sell because they are shareholders because that yeah. is a
1: billion dollars Canadian. Correct. Correct. So, I just yeah. don't see it. I think when the Dodgers saw that 625 number, they knew – The reason this all came together is when they saw that 625 in the headlines, they knew that was the ceiling that they had to beat. And I guess with whatever conversions they did and blah, 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 and deferrals, it it became 700. But they knew at that point for the first time what the number was. And that's why I think everything came together right after that. Yeah, it makes sense. I know way too much as an agent
0: yeah well thanks you for sharing some of that with us and I <laughs> know people will get to hear it too
1: yeah happy to sorry Jays fans I was hoping to go there too yeah
0: well next time next time they get a big player you can come we'll go to a game together
1: absolutely good talking to you guys again yeah you too
0: well uh, that was certainly an interesting interview um It sucks. The idea that potentially the Jays were just used in that manner. Um, I don't know if that means that the Jays actually hadn't the agreement or thought they did, which Josh obviously seems to suggest they do, but regardless that someone's like, yeah, sign with the Jays, Dodgers, give us more money, which is honestly the fear that every Jays fan had the whole time. And that sounds like that's what happened. And well, it kind of sucks. And, you know, I'm just really sorry to hear about that. Um, not going to do a do-over or a final thought or anything like that. Cause again, this is just sort of a have to talk about this episode. And I will say that as crappy as it feels and as much as it's going to be hard to follow what's coming, there is still room to make this team a lot better. And you know, we're just going to have to see what they do, whether it's trades or free agents. I mean, there's not a lot of free agency, but there's still guys that are useful. So it's going to be a very interesting final couple months of this offseason, and hopefully it gets going soon. All right, well, this has been Joshua Hausman at Joshua Hausman. This has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode 287. Good night.